Shout out to everybody. This is a special edition of the Sports Scenario. Matt Whitener happened to go on the Man Listen Show with our man Marv and talking about black coaches. And you already know, black coaches topic is a very heavy, heavy, heavy topic in the community. Not just our community, but sports in general of how and why certain black coaches aren't getting props or getting opportunities or getting long enough tenures. And they dive into this pretty, pretty, pretty heavily on a lot of different levels. You know Matt breaks it down to the very last compound. So check out this new this special edition sports scenario. Go over to Man Listen. Check out more of this episode as well. But this is the best good bite of Matt talking about black coaches. So go over and check out Man Listen on their YouTube page and as well as on their, all the platforms that you get the audio-wise, Spotify, all that good stuff as well on the Man Listen show. What's up, y'all? This is RVS. This is R-O-D, a.k.a. Rated R. We are the We Coming For You cast, and we talk about pro wrestling from a black dude's perspective. Tell them what they can expect on this here podcast. Oh, we gonna give you all the raw and dirty and the everything black from AEW, WWE, Impact Wrestling, and any other wrestling in between. If you want your wrestling unfiltered, uncensored, and you want it raw, you need to subscribe to the We Coming For You cast. Right here on SOLC Network. What's up, Facebook family? Give us one second and we'll be Ready to start the show is one second. Just gonna let some people get into the room. Get ourselves set up. Apologize for having to do this while we live on air, but I'm sure you all will understand and you all are gonna appreciate the great discussion that we are about to have. So I'm gonna go ahead and share this share this link. If you're watching this, definitely, definitely, please share the link to the show to um, everybody that you know. Let them know about the Blackest Radio Show <laughs> in America, the Man Listen Show. Share this link and uh, ask them to come on in. Share your questions. we got a good show. got a real good show coming up. So we want to hear from you all. Um, got a wonderful guest, somebody who's been on the show before. And uh, it's going to give us a couple more minutes and we're going to uh, get started with this show. And we want y'all to chime on in, chime on in. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Conversate with us radio presents the Man Listen Show. We are the blackest radio show on the internet. We bring you our opinion on topics that affect the black community in an effort to enlighten, enrich, and empower every brother and sister that falls under the sound of our voice. We operate on a no hating frequency. So be prepared for us to keep it 100% real and 100% black all the time. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Man Listen Show. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can find your podcast. Go to our website, www.manlistenshow.com. You can listen to our shows on our, on our website. You can listen to past shows. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Um, you can also find us on YouTube if you want to see the video version of our show. You can subscribe on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Please give us a thumbs up. Leave a comment because that all helps the algorithm and lets more people see our show. Help us spread the platform. So, Definitely, 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 please do all that. And without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest. Our guest is 
probably the only Kappa that I allow on this show. Uh, he's been on the show, I think, I know at least once before. Uh, I think this might be a second or third time. I don't keep track of the noose like that, but uh, uh, I love this dude, man. He brings an excellent perspective to the topic of sports. And uh, we're going to talk about something that's, uh, that's really been on the mind of a lot of us here recently. Um, this brother is the founder and uh, co-founder, co-owner of the SOC Network, SOLC Network, that's straight out of Low Cash Network, um, a wonderful podcast platform. Y'all need to follow them as well. Um, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Cheap Seat Fan. Uh, we're going to go ahead and introduce the one and only Matt Whitener. Matt, what's up with you, man? Big marvelous word, baby. I appreciate. Oh, I appreciate the. I uh, appreciate the balance of the love and 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 the appreciation in the intro. I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I appreciate you having me back and being here, man. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's only a few noobs that I that I fool with, man, and you managed to enter into that sacred number so <laughs> hey, hey man i always i always tell folks man i say that it blows them away i said man i said both my roommates in college was alphas and uh and, and i say it's crazy when i got married a couple months ago i look back i was like man we're about 50 50 up here Some, something's going on man but yeah, you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah. it's it's love man i appreciate yeah. it man i appreciate you reaching out you know if you reach out and i can make it happen i'm always gonna slide through man i appreciate you bro i appreciate you so we want to talk about the nfl and more importantly, black coaches in the NFL. Um, about, a, about a week or so ago, there was um, some firings and uh, two out of the three black coaches in the NFL were let go. Um, uh, Brian Flores from the Miami Dolphins, right? And then yeah. David Cully, right? David Cully from the Houston Texans. Yeah. So they were let go. That left one black coach in the NFL. There's 32 teams. And out of the 32 teams, you got Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, and then you have Ron Garcia, and uh, I think his name is Robert Salah. He's an uh, Arab American. He's in New York, right? Yeah. So, so you, so you got you got you got Ron Rivera, who 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 was uh, in DC, and he's Puerto Rican. You got Ron, Robert Ron Rivera. Yeah, Ron Rivera. I think yeah. that's why I got you on. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 It's all yeah. good. I had to look up. I had to look up the nationalities. I want to get it right. I didn't want yeah. to just call him a man Hispanic. You know. What I'm right. Saying? I want right, to get it right. Right. So right. 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 Uh, you know, but he's Puerto Rican. Um. You know, and then you've got uh, you got Robert Saleh, who's who's uh, Lebanese, the first Muslim coach in NFL history. Then you got Mike Tomlin. And that's it. You know, but. You know, there's a couple of things. I want to throw this out here before we get going. I just want to kind of set the tone for what, what we're looking at here and what, what that situation looks like, you know. So, you know, let's go back in time a little bit. I think anytime you get talk about the present, you got to set the grounding in the past, you know. So, since it recent past at that. So, since 2017, there have been nine black head coaches in the NFL, right? So, and I'm going to take two of them and I'm going to move them out because they're people that like to get brought up all the time. So, I'm going to take Mike Tomlin who's currently still with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Super Bowl winning coach, out of the equation. And I'm going to take Marvin Lewis, who spent 15 or 16 years in Cincinnati, taking him out the equation. You know, but there's they, they've had 15 years over 15 years. You know what? I'm also going to take David Culley, who had one year in Houston, out of the equation. We can talk about that as a whole separate issue here in a little bit. But the average tenure, so when you take those out, six coaches since 2017, right? The average tenure for those terminated head coaches since that time has been 2.2 years across the board. That's the time that they've gotten in the, in the role. When you're a new head coach in the NFL, there's absolutely no chance that you've got to be able to turn something around by that time and to make it into anything close to something of, of, of true repute. But 2.2 years? 
for me, that feels like an attendance prize. I, at the Rooney Rule, I got issues with. I'm sure we can talk about that. But for we're me, that feels that like up. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring that up. We're gonna bring that up <laughs> most definitely. And you know, you talk about it, and I wanted to talk about the double standard yeah. that the NFL has, right? Because I posted it on our on our Instagram today, and you talked about the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And how people are ranting and raving about him being a offensive minded genius and really kind of you see the media setting the stage for him to be prepped and, and to to be moved into a higher role. Right. Into a head coaching role. Mm-hmm. Then you got Eric Bieniemy, who's in Kansas City, Super Bowl winner. They've been to playoffs multiple times. Right. Multiple playoff victories. And he can't get a job. And people are talking about our head coaching job. And people try to say, okay, well, maybe he doesn't interview well. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe he's just not ready or there's something going on. Maybe he's trying, I saw today, they said he's trying to wait for Andy Reid to retire so he can just take over at the at, for the Kansas City Chiefs. It don't really work that way in the NFL, you know? So there's definitely a double standard. And I want you to speak to that as to why you think that is. So, you know, when it comes to Eric Bieniemy, I'm glad. I want to kind of separate him in the same way that I separated um, Mike Tomlin and Marvin Lewis when we're talking about that. Because Eric Bieniemy is, you know, over the last three years has become the go-to. You know, when we say, oh, man, Eric Bieniemy doesn't have an opportunity. And then for a lot of the reasons that you listed right there, you know, put it out there. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe he's not this. Maybe he's not that. But then there's this whole conversation where he is that, but there's the caveat that comes with it, right? But he's got Pat Mahomes. But Andy Reid is there but you've got this, but you've got that. But Kellen Moore, who you're talking about down in Dallas, you know, you don't hear, but he's got a plethora of weapons at wide receiver. You don't hear that he's got a fantastic offensive line when they're healthy. You don't hear about Zeke. You don't hear about even backup guys like Tony Pollard, who started to distinguish himself, or Cedric Wilson, who distinguished himself, and Dak Prescott, obviously, at the core of it. You don't hear the same caveats. Right. But I'm going to take the conversation a little bit different when you talk about people having a double standard. I want to go to an NFL coaching rank, a head coaching rank right now. So, you know, you mentioned Brian Flores, who got moved out at three years in Miami after having one of the best midseason turnarounds that I think I've seen in some time and almost salvaging a, a Dolphins team that was not supposed to be that great this year and almost getting them into the playoffs, even though, you know, they had some hype around them to, to be better. You know, going 7-1 or 8-1 and one down the stretch is, is incredible. That doesn't – that's not indicative of bad coaching. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile – I watched Monday Night Football last night in the last um, the last playoff game of the week, and Cliff Kingsbury's uh, Cardinals, who were running the AFC West for a large part of the season before they got hawked, he went one and five down the stretch, and then had one of the absolute worst showings in play in a playoff in a primetime playoff game I can recall in a long time. I mean, the Rams just dominated them last night. Oh, you know what they're gonna say though? They, they, they're gonna blame that on the black QB. Come on now. Well, so. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Hey, I got some beef with Kyler too. Kyler, hey, I need to see some evolution next year, but we can okay. talk about that at a, at a different time. But yeah, the pr- thing about it is, is that, hey, Cliff Kingsbury, where's the accountability? The only person, the only other coach I've seen be called for some accountability so far is Mike McCarthy. And you know why? Because the Dallas Cowboys coach is always going to be called for accountability. So it's not the same thing. But yeah, I agree. I think that it goes back to the stat that we stated at the beginning, the stakes or just that much higher on an uneven playing field. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, part of that is what we've always been taught as educated black people. You know, we always got to run twice as fast, jump three times as high to be at the same level as those in the dominant society. It doesn't make it fair, but 
you would think that in a league when I just looked at the recent stats, you have 58% of the league uh, identifying as black and then another 70, 70. Well, what I saw, you might be, I think the numbers still add up. They say 58% who identify as black and then 10% who identify as multiple races. So you got to assume maybe those are biracial guys who, you know, are what we consider, what I consider black. They so, black. Around, so they black, right? So around <laughs> they they black they black in the owner's eyes. Which don't, don't get it messed up. So right. yeah, so seventy percent black, right? And you got one black coach. People keep talking about that glaring discrepancy. Um, now, the one black coach works for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Been there for multiple years. The owner, Mister Rooney, has a rule named after him: the Rooney Rule, mm-hmm. where Basically, any position, I think it's not even just head coach, it's general manager or any other type of position, they have to interview a, is it a black, a black candidate or is it just a minority candidate? It's a minority. So it's, so how the Rooney rule itself in its original incarnation works is, is that, you know, there has to be an interview who is a minority candidate, um, you know, and that's mixing in, well, however you, however you define that. Um, more recently, the push has been made to make it be for assistant coaches as well and for it to be for additional leadership roles, but it has been based around head coaching roles because, you know, there's a, there's a certain thing that I believe in. It says is that, you know, uh, be careful what you ask for because you might get it. But if you're going to ask for something, ask for the most you can. Because mm-hmm. then if not, you'll make sure you don't just get what they want to give you. Right. And in some ways, that's my big issue with the Rooney Rule. And two things. First of all, the way it looks right now, it looks like it's only, it's the Rooney Rule because it's only applicable to the Steelers because they're the only team with a black coach right now. So their owner has the rule that it's the only one that's in play. But with that being said, you know, I think it's also about change. It's it's really important to see that change on the sideline. But for me also, I clock the general manager openings too. I want to see who, where the shot calling is at, because I want upward ascension as a whole. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and that's why I say, once again, I'll draw it back to what we were just talking about. Eric Bieniemy's name is possible and it rings out in the streets and it's out there because of the success the Chiefs has had, but also because everybody looks to him as the example now. And I don't like that because there's so many more people who are fitting that are in that place that I want to not just make it be about Eric Bieniemy getting his 40 acres in the mule. I want everybody to get theirs too. And there's a lot more people that are viable for it across all planes, all the way up, quite honestly, Time to be looking at it for ownership too. We've seen it in every yeah. other sport. People, I, I, I was just—I I was just about to go there. Now, there's a book that I always talk about, and it, and it pisses a lot of people off. But it was so apropos, and they—they—they they, they get caught up on the title. Mm-hmm. Forty million dollar slaves by Bill Roden. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should read that book. And you have diehard NFL fans who, and and make sure y'all leave questions in the comments for Matt. Make sure you have any questions or comments. So Matt will address them on the show. But people get they get they get real pissed off when you talk about calling the M, the NFL plantation league. Mm-hmm. Really, there's so many correlations to that. They say it's an insult to the players, right? But you're looking at okay, you got a league that's dominated by white owners. I think what Jacksonville is the only one that has a non-white owner, and he's Arab American, correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, shotgun. Okay, so you got Jacksonville, right? And then just all the other different things you see, you know, the combine and just how that, it just, it's not a, it's not a good look. It's, it's not a good look. And when you look at the, the, the lack of black coaches, 
can it really change when you have ownership that looks very monochromatic, is very white, and do they even have an incentive to really change who they're going to hire? They're going to do what they want to do because it's a good old boys club. We saw that when the players were kneeling. The owners stuck together and the players didn't. So, you know, taking it out briefly out of the realm of sports and just bringing it into the greater world at large. One of the big things I advocate for more minorities and for specifically more African-Americans to get tied into is human resources, right? Because you want to be close to where the policies are at. You want to be close to where the hiring decisions are at. It doesn't always land with just the person who is the boss or the manager or whoever is in leadership in that thing. You got to be in a place where you're pulling the strings too. So, I mean, you got to be, you, you got to have a comprehensive change to this. And it can't just be about Marvin Lewis or about Mike Tomlin or about Eric Bieniemy. It's got to be about all the people that you don't know. And the reason why you don't know them is because of the way that the system is set up and the way that you don't have people that are at the peak of the decision-making things, looking down and feeling the need to identify themselves, not because it's mandated, not because it's something that we have to do in order to be in compliance. Don't turn it into affirmative action. Turn it into actual action. Yeah. So we got a question from my homegirl, Rika. Everybody knows Rika. So question from Matt. What tangible plan can we support to encourage the league to employ and promote more Black coaches? In your mind, what would you like to see? Yeah, so my thing about it is, is that I think that one of the big pieces is expanding it to making sure that they're that. All right, so let's say I'm going to put this in the preface of saying we're operating in the reality of the Rooney rule and what those yeah. things look like still, right? So I'm going to preface it by saying that I think that it's important that we continue to expand those, that reach and make it be exposure for all roles, you know, whether it is a position, um, you know, that's a general manager position, whether it's a position that's an AGM position, coordinators, you know, all the way down to internships. I don't care what it is. You got to plant seeds if you want to see the plants grow and you want to see those things really happen. And that, so for me, that's a really important place for it to start. Is, is that if we're going to take this initiative, it's got to be comprehensive and it's got to touch every area of the business and make it at least look the same extent that it does for the players because there's no, there's no blockings to access on that side with some exceptions. Um, you know, I think that the league has done good things as far as having combines for HBCU players and things like that. I think that some of that is a little bit of a representative politics at times. Like we need to do something, we need to look away, you know, but at the end of the day, Eyesight is eyesight. And one thing the league don't discriminate against is talent on the field. Right. The discrimination's got to go away from that discrimination off of it as well. Now, I remember growing up, I think growing up, you had Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Yeah. Warren Moon. You had Doug Williams. About to run out. Those three. I remember. <laughs> Before Doug Williams took the Washington football team, they wasn't a football team back then, took them to the Super Bowl. I remember there being basically no black quarterbacks. I remember them saying the black man didn't have the mental capacity to lead a team on the field. Mm -hmm. Now, that's totally switched, right? And we've seen it somewhat switch on the coaching at the coaching level, because we have seen some black coaches, right? But it's just not at the level that everybody feels comfortable with. And we continue to complain about it, but I don't think anything's really going to change by us as fans boycotting because I boycotted the NFL. 
when mm -hmm. when Kaepernick was blackballed or when Kaepernick was whiteballed, um, I didn't watch the, whenever he whenever he was out of the league. I didn't watch another game until the Kansas City Chiefs made it to the Super Bowl that they won. Now everybody mm -hmm. made a big joke about that, but I told people when Colin settled with the league, my issue with him was the color of the attorneys that he had because we need representation everywhere. So if you're going to make a stand on, hey, I'm mistreated because I'm black and I'm taking the stands, then you need to have some black attorneys as well. But I'm going on, a, I'm going on a rant on that. But I've always said the biggest impact and change is going to be made with the players on the field. If you got 70% of the league is black, you can't tell me they can't say, hey, listen, we're not going if you don't take care of this brother Colin Kaepernick, or we're not going to play, or we're not going to suit up, they can't make a change. And you, you can't tell me the same thing can't happen with coaching as well. The power is with the players. And until they're able to make a stance, then us as fans, we're kind of just either going to have to say, you know what? I don't want to deal with the NFL or go along with it. Tell I think that, about that. So I, 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 you know what, really? So the situation when Kaepernick made his decision, things like that, obviously for me, I was in a little bit of a different position with it because I cover sports for a living, you know? So, I mean, and for me, when I saw a lot of black writers and things and black people in general vacating the league, for me, that was a five alarm fire. Cause I said, one thing that's not going to change is going to be the African-American population in the league, no matter who's watching. What's going to happen? Those young brothers are still going to do what they got to do to get their opportunity in the league. And for me, I didn't want for that room to be devoid of our voices because I don't want other people telling our stories and observing our actions and things like that in a light that's not reflective of having a voice that can speak forward in arenas that maybe the players aren't speaking directly into it. So I was, while I respected people's position and position similar to the one that you have right there, I was telling people, I was the one standing in front of the door, like, hold on. This ain't the way that we need to do this. Mm -hmm. Understand the power of the boycott. That's been a powerful tool for us throughout time. But at the end of the day, if we're going to boycott, we got to go to such a comprehensive level of boycott that I don't think we're really ready to commit to that over something as trivial as the NFL. Because if you want to cripple the NFL, you got to cripple the people that pay into the NFL. And we weren't getting away from the things that they were sponsoring because they were hallmarks in our lives and things like that. But again, that's another, that's a, yeah. that's a, a, a rant for me. Very but the point. thing I'll say, say what? Very good point. Go ahead, man. So, so yeah, absolutely appreciate it. But the thing about it is, is that I want to go back to the point you made about the, the visage on the field too. And I'll come back to the business side of it. Because there's another guy I want to point out when you talk about opportunity and you talk about why we feel the way that we do about things. And that's a man by the name of Marlon Briscoe. Now, Marlon Briscoe was a quarterback for the Denver Broncos back in the 70s. And he became the first starting African-American quarterback in the AFL in a major profession in a modern era major professional football league mm -hmm. he threw 14 touchdowns and just and just five i'm sorry 14 touchdowns over five starts and it mm -hmm. was a and you know and he threw four touchdowns in one game it's still a broncos rookie record now now i don't know if we don't hear as much about this because you know it was the afl it wasn't the nfl you know it's a little bit about that but this is also a guy that led them on a playoff run and, and, had, and stepped in, took over the job, really made it be his thing. But then the next season, they made him go to wide receiver because that was just where guys like him played at. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they moved him out of the seat. So when you talk about people being upset about the perception of black coaches or black quarterbacks, which although that's something that's alleviated some, I definitely don't think it's time for us to take our foot off the gas about that and stay and, you know, and continue to push that importance of why it is important to have representation there too. 
But you know, when we talk about wanting to see people be in seats and why it's important for people to be in position, it's because of histories like that of Marlon Briscoe and the histories of the different people we've had who have been forced out of the positions that they need to be in and have rightfully earned and deserved to have. We just got to say there's no more of that. So kind of to answer the question that's there and the topic that's got there, I agree with you, Moab, completely that the power lays with the players. You got to say, hey, y'all got to quit doing these just, you know, we're interviewing people just for the sake of interviewing people or putting the glass door up at the coordinator level and we're not seeing that breakthrough and those opportunities come in and things like that. How they go about doing that, I don't know. After I seeing what happened with the Kaepernick situation and seeing some people take a very hard line, but a lot of other people take temporary hard lines and things like that, it's hard for me to, it's always hard for me to tell somebody to interrupt their livelihood for a cause that might not directly benefit them in the first place. But I do think that, I do think that absolutely, if you look at having a career in football and look at the avenues that that can open up for you, it does behoove you as an NFL player to make to make institutional changes because that could change the path of your longevity in the sport too. You know, I, I think that, and thank you for the story you t- you shared about the brother to play for the Broncos. Uh, I was born in '77, and I'm I'm not a, a history, especially about the Broncos because I watch the Chiefs. But <laughs> I'm a Chiefs fan. But um, hey, is Pat Mahomes the first black quarterback for the Chiefs? I think so. Starter first, I can remember. Yeah, that, yeah. I just, I, I just want to put that out there yeah, as a point. Absolutely, yeah. When I you look so at things contemporarily, yeah, and then you look yeah, at yeah, where it absolutely. could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny how things don't change. Look at Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. When he was drafted, what, what was everybody trying to tell him to do? Man, you need to go to receiver. There were yeah, several, yeah. and there were several black talking heads that were pushing that narrative. Yeah, and brother bet on himself, and look, he's balling. He's balling yep. right now. So the more the things, more things, you know, change, the more they stay the same. But also this goes back to, we talk about black wealth all the time, right? And the importance of black wealth and everything that goes along with that. And I think that we're always going to have a problem with getting the players to be able to take a stance because number one, I don't know how many of these guys are really bought in on, you know, black solidarity, um, as people and building black wealth or whatever. I, I, I don't know. There's a few guys that are with that. So, you know, obviously not enough. But when you get down to the point of, okay, I have this small window to make money. Mm-hmm. I've been working through it for this my whole life, a game that I love to play. And I got a small window to make this money. And I'm not in the NBA. I'm not in Major League Baseball. If I buck the system too much, I'll be out of there. You know, mm-hmm. that's no guaranteed contract. So I think that this game, and I'm talking about this, the, the NFL in total, it's hard for those brothers to say, okay, listen, I'm not getting these guaranteed years on my contract. I'm, right. playing, I'm playing year after year. You know, the top guys may be getting those guaranteed years, but me, who is a second string linebacker or second string DB who also has to play special teams. I got to make this money. So I don't know how we're going to get to a point, you know, where we can get them to say, Hey, listen, if we all we're stronger together versus separate, um, I'm not really too optimistic about that, but I think that's really the only answer that we're really going to have, man. Cause that's not going to make a difference. 
thing I'll say about that is, is that, yeah, I think that everybody's um, impact has got to be consummate to the position they're in to make it. You know, I think that, you know, some of the guys you're talking about, some of the guys that, you know, I, I call them hard knocks guys. You know, when you watch hard knocks, you always got a couple guys they follow around to see if they're going to make it, right. see if their situation is going to be and things like that. But, you know, the guys that are at the peak of the mountain, I think it goes back to the, to, to, to the words of the great Stan Lee, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And the more power you've got and the more position that you've got, the more that you can push the hand and, and, and change the narrative. So I think that that's really where it lies. But quite honestly, I think that it also lies in the hands of people like yourself, people like myself, people that are above it and above in, in, in higher positions as well as have access points, you know, um, we put this pressure on the players and we put this pressure on them to step up and do it. Well, you know, I hear a lot of times I hear the media and things like that, which I always kind of wink at because I guess technically speaking, I'm the media you in some regard to, you know, the, the, the thing about it. So sometimes I find myself having to be like, well, all right, wait a minute now. Uh, but you know, the thing, uh, the thing I say about it is, is that we're always really ready to talk about, you know, why somebody didn't perform on Sundays and we, or why somebody didn't do this, why somebody didn't do that. I think we got to use our platforms that whether it's ESPN, whether it's some self broadcasted things, whether it's whatever it may be to use that and say what you got to say. And I think that in this era right now, where you can literally get to the people any way that you want to, you can create your own Avenue to get directly to people. And if I, I think take Jamel Hill and Carrie champion and people like that, for example, who literally walked away, from the biggest sports megaphone in, in the country and are doing just fine and still getting their voice out there and doing things like that. We need more people that are less afraid of doing that and then continuing to amplify the voice and to help the players get that done. I can't, I don't see the point in laying it directly only at the feet of the players when there's something that I can do when there's something you can do when you and you and you and everybody else that's listening and watching this, you can do your part too in helping to push that narrative along too. And I, I think that, and I know we take a lot of your time, but I think it's important to have voices like yourself and Jamel Hill and Kerry Champion because there are people who are in the media who are corporate media. I remember back when I used to watch First Take often, I would listen to the podcast. And I remember when the advent of Twitter came out and yeah. we had the players saying, I can take, my narrative into my own hands. I could release my own statement. I don't have to go through a reporter to tell my story. I can do it on my own. And I remember Stephen A being one of the main ones saying, hey, you need us. You need us to be able to tell your story. You need to be able to talk to us and to basically give your narrative because we know how to tell it to the media. But I think the problem that we have is there's too much corporate media and not enough people like yourself and like those sisters that we talked about to be able to keep it real, in my personal opinion, and be fair on both sides and say, hey, listen, this is where you brothers can step up and this is where you brothers are being done wrong. So I applaud you. And that's why I want you on the show, man, because I know you're going to keep it real on both sides and, you know, let people know, hey, listen, this is what this is the type of support that we need if we really want to see a difference. Well, man, respects and gratitude for that. Absolutely. I, I think that one thing I also notice is, you know, obviously being a person as a content creator, I pay attention to the people that are taking the content in as well, as well as other people that are creating it. And I think that one thing we also got to stop doing is, is that and this could apply to a lot of things when it comes to the black community is, is that we got to stop living in absolute so much. You know, there's a lot of people that say if you're not on one side, you're on the wrong side. And if usually that side, the right side is the one that they're on. 
where I think there's so much nuance in some of the things we look at. There can be an absolute truth, but there's a number of different ways to get there and a number of different ways to accomplish what needs to happen. So sometimes you do need a Colin Kaepernick as much as you need somebody who's a Russell Wilson or something like that. And that's to say that those, they're both two very different people have two very different images and have very different ways that they go about making impacts, but they're making impacts. And I think that I look for a comprehensive impact from the black community, especially athletes and people that have that, that uh, standpoint. But I also think that, again, I'm gonna tie it back to Eric Bieniemy again. And trust me, I support this brother. I want him to get a job if he wants it and things like that. One thing I don't want him to do is to take a bad job and then that be his only job. I don't want him to become a 2.2 guy that gets in there, gets two years to fix it, and then he's done. He's out. He doesn't get a chance. And then you're saying, well, he didn't have Pat Mahomes and, well, he didn't have that. But the thing we don't pay attention to is, boy, he inherited a terrible situation. Let's yeah. go hypothetical here. Let's say that, that Eric Bieniemy takes a job with the, uh, with the New York Giants after this season. Now, mm -hmm. That's a job that's out there. He's getting a quarterback in Daniel Jones who is lukewarm at best. I mean, he's like ramen noodle water almost at this mm. point. It's just like you're getting a bad quarterback. You're getting some questionable contracts throughout the board. You got a dinged up running back in Saquon Barkley that you hope you can get the full investment that you put into him. But all in all, you're inheriting a tough situation that probably the most alluring thing about is being in New York. That isn't enough to keep you a job. Being in New York ain't going to keep you warm at night when you – four and 12 and you in your second season and they already looking at you like you ain't the man. So I want for Eric B enemy to take a job consummate to the experience that he has. So to take a job where he's going to go to a place and he's going to say, nah, I'm not just taking a terrible job because it's out there. And because I want it, like take a job where you really going to be able to make an impact. So that's one thing I say about that, but I also wrap it around the Eric B enemy situation because there's other things I want us to pay attention to that's outside of who we expect to look at and who's achieving and accomplishing things right now that maybe we aren't looking at. I want to point out a guy like Brad Holmes in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Now, Brad Holmes is the general manager of the Detroit Lions. He, in the midst of the whitewash offseason last year, where no black people were getting hired for anything until the last second when David Culley got his opportunity to, uh, to coach, Brad got the opportunity that was in Detroit to be the new general manager there. And we all know if there's any franchise that's constantly turning itself around, trying to figure out a way, it's the Detroit Lions. It's the Lions. So, but when you look at his background, there's a lot of boxes that he clicks that I think are really relevant with the community. He went to North Carolina A&T, HBCU, you know, played football there. Came in on the bottom as an assistant, as a scouting assistant. I'm talking about that's the, the low, one of the lowest ways to get into the league at all with mm -hmm. the St. Louis Rams back in 2003. Climbed himself up the scouting ranks, got to area scout, got to national scout, you know, got to director of college scouting, and then got picked up by, from that opportunity and went over to the Lions to become the general manager and executive and the EVP, executive vice president of that organization. And now he's getting the chance to build up a team. That's a pathway that's just as viable and might honestly be a little bit more realistic than trying to even go up from the route of being a player to being a, a, a coordinator, to being one of the very lucky few coordinators who get one of the 32 jobs on earth to be an NFL head coach. So I highlight, I highlight uh, Brad Holmes' situation because those are the things we need to be looking at too. Like there's a GM opening in Minnesota. There's a GM opening in Chicago. There's a GM opening in New York. Hey, as badly as I want to see Eric Bieniemy get a job, 
and a couple other people I want to talk about before we wrap up. I want to see perhaps more brothers get jobs and sisters get jobs in those roles as I do seeing them on the sideline where I already know that the shelf life in pro sports period for coaching and managers is always going to be a, a razor's edge to walk. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, I'm glad you brought up that point because I know all eyes are going to be on the coaches, right? But you're right. The general manager positions, the VP positions are just as important because again, they're making decisions that affect brothers. They're making is establishing experience, uh, establishing wealth in our community. And I think it's something that we probably have not really paid attention to and we need to do that. So that's why I got you on the show. That's why you're the only new that can grace this presence. <laughs> <laughs> man, tell people where they can find you, bro. Hey, man, you can always find us everywhere, man, on the SOLC network, man. Right now, I'm definitely telling people, steering people towards the Facebook page. We're broadcasting right now on our Facebook page. It's dedicated to our sports and pop culture page, SOLC, Sports and Culture. We're in there chopping it up, the inside talk about sports, on the field, off the field, having a good time, making fun of stuff, giving the Cowboys hell right now in particular. But, you know, we're going to be locked in, staying on the whole thing throughout, man. And, And as always, you can always find me hosting um, SOLC uh, Sports Scenario. Uh, Every other week right now, we're doing that. We're going to be inserting an interview show in between the other weeks here soon. But we're covering current events, topics, all of that here every week, man. Check us out and every other program we got on the platform over there. Okay, and uh, follow you at Chief C Fan, right, on Instagram? Chief C Fan. I just got back on Twitter after after having a two-year fight with them after they – cut my account mysteriously and not owning up to it i'm ca- i'm blaming it on the illuminati but uh but I, I just got back up over there uh but you can find me on facebook um at on the solc page you can find me on instagram at cheap seat fan as well matt man we appreciate you make sure you all go out and follow them they got a bunch of dope shows on the network that you need to listen to and that you need to follow uh, i'm a big fan of what they're doing uh, make sure you go to our website www.manlisten.com manlistenshow.com listen to our old shows uh share this show uh we'll put the audio out in, in about a week and then we'll have the video out on youtube make sure you share it make sure you leave a thumbs up make sure you give us a comment we'll respond to the comments uh, if you want to purchase merchandise you can go to our instagram click the link in our bio and we're gonna highlight you next time peace oh six <laughs> <laughs>